world is, you're here tonight in your right mind, amen, on your way to heaven. And, you know, Satan, he tries to, he'll try to put into people's minds that, that nobody wants this Christianity stuff. Nobody wants this. But the truth is, there are people who want it. And what, you know, what Lucas said earlier kind of, Lord touched me with what he said. You know, there's a lot of people, they look good on the outside, but they're dead inside. They're dirty from sin. And there's a lot of people that are in that condition and they're sick of it. And they, they're at the end of the road, and that's where we come in. We get to give them the good news of the gospel. All For all that push it away, that's on them, but there are those out there who do want it. And I believe what you said, you know, the Lord, I felt that, that they're, it's coming. He says sooner or later, they're coming. People like that, God's he's touching. People can only get so oppressed until they start crying out and so messed up until... And let me tell you what we need. We need God to move. We need the Spirit of God to sweep over people. Not just preaching. I mean the power of God is what we need. Not just singing. We need the power of God in our church, out there, on the job. We need the Spirit of God. We need the Lord to move in this nation, all over this world. And it's only going to be Him that can do it. And so we need to be praying for it. And I believe it is coming. It is coming. Somehow, some way, it is coming. Every time it gets really dark, it always gets dark just before the light shows up. Just remember that. Sometimes some of your worst, you'll be going through some of the worst things and it looks really dark. But the light, something is about to happen. Something good is coming and you got to have that hope inside. I tell you, I feel that hope. It's been stirring in me. Myself, you know, I've just been hit with situations here and there, and the devil will try to hit you. He'll try to put you down, put, get you gloomy, get you to doubt, and get you to this. But I, every time it happens, I feel this hope down inside starting to rise up. And I say, oh, hold on a minute. The Lord is in control. We all get hit with these things. We all do. Even me, I'd be a liar if I sit here and told you I don't ever, you know, get hit with stuff I do. But how we handle it is what matters. You can't lay down and hide in a hole. You got to press forward. You got to go on with Jesus and you got to trust Him because that's where your faith gets tested. That's where your faith gets built. That's where your faith gets strengthened when you hold on to God's hand and you go through what you're going through and you trust Him. And I'll guarantee you, you will see something on the other side. Something good is about to happen. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're going to take up the offering tonight. Michaela's not here. She's right now. She had to go to the clinic after work. She's got a bad, bad sinus infection. So I said, don't worry about it. Just go. Get you some medicine, whatever you need. Take care of yourself and get healthy. So she'll make it to church maybe. If not, we'll pray for her. So I'm not singing in her place. (laughs) No. Uh -uh. Not even going to try. We'll wait till Malachi gets old enough, and we'll let him. <laughs> or some of these other ones back here conked out on that bench. They might be singing. You don't know. <laughs> She's like, I don't want them singing right now. Let them rest. <laughs> Peace while they're sleeping. Amen. But it's good to see everybody tonight, and we're going to take up the offering. And we're going to get ready to just go into the world as we take up the offering. For those of you watching through the Internet, we want to ask you to help us tonight to give, to do what the Lord has called us to do here. I'm going to try to share this real quick while we're doing this to help us those of you that are watching uh you'll see a link on the screen you can go online you can give 
through the internet. It's a safe way to give these days, and you don't have to worry about any type of fraud or anything like that. Anybody getting any of your personal information. And I want to say that if you've been watching these services and you don't give, it's time that you start giving. I didn't get amen from nobody. I didn't hear amen from nobody in here. If you're watching, and I'm sorry, I'm trying to get this to pull up. One day this phone works, the next day it don't. Um, but if you're watching, all right, let me try it now. If you're watching and you don't give to the work of the Lord and you're a Christian, you're going to have to change that. Because that's God's economy given to the work of God. Not just, not given to the shriners and to the this or that, given to the gospel. Where the gospel is preached because that's where people's lives get touched. The other stuff won't change man's inward being. What we got will change your inward being. And it'll change your outward being. But it's got to get down in here, as Lucas said. It's got to get in here. And then it starts working its way outside. So if you're watching and you don't give, you need to give and trust God and you watch God meet all your needs. I don't care if it's 50 cents is all you got. I don't care if it's a dollar, five dollars. Give it and you watch God make a way for you. You watch God do something for you. I guarantee you he will. He never fails to prove himself when we step out to give. I've been giving ever since I got saved. Never missed a time of giving that I know of never always excited to give when the Lord gives me something and we should be excited to give I don't get a weekly check like some you know some of you get a regular job weekly check every two weeks you got that check right then you know it's coming mine just comes here or there whenever and I'm just happy when it comes and when it comes the first thing I do is I take out what comes to the Lord and I say praise the Lord whether it's two dollars hundred dollars two hundred doesn't matter I'm always happy to give. Amen. As a matter of fact, I got two dollars in my wallet right now. I'm waiting to give. I'm waiting for some more to come with this weekend. I'm gonna give it. Amen. So give tonight and watch God bless you. Father, we ask you to bless the offering tonight. I ask you to bless the givers, those watching. Lord, if they've never taken you at your word and stepped out, I pray tonight that they would do just that, Lord, that they would see that you, God, are a miracle worker and you can provide for them. When they let go of what is in their hand, then you will let go in heaven and you will move and you will touch and you will do great and mighty things. Lord, I feel that when we let go of that in our hand, you let go in heaven, Lord, and you bless us. And, Lord, I ask you to bless everybody here tonight. I ask you to bless their homes, their families, their jobs, those that are faithful and given. God, I ask you to meet every need they have, work a miracle for them, God. If they're down to nothing, Lord, fill them up to overflow and bring everything they need, God, and then some, Lord. And we just ask you to have your way tonight in this church. In Jesus' name, amen. I got this new mic, this new earpiece hooked up. Let me try this again now. If I can get this to... I'm just trying to share this is all I'm trying to do to get it. Okay, got it that time. Praise the Lord. We're going to go back to the book of Colossians tonight. In your Bibles, Colossians chapter 2. While I'm putting this online, if you want to go ahead and go there. There we go. Colossians chapter 2. We've been studying this for, I don't know, a couple of months now, I guess. I felt like the Lord had 
redirected me in teaching to go to the book of Colossians here a while back. And I believe it's been helping people. And it'll open your eyes. The Word of God will open your eyes to a lot of stuff. But some of these books are even more opening than... Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. Some of these books are more enlightening, though, on some subjects than others. So, thank you tonight for being here, those that made it, and hope that you're blessed. Everybody ready for Christmas? Well, some seem kind of ready, ready to get through it. (laughs) <laughs> it's a happy time of the year. Amen. Amen. To tell people about Jesus, even with some of the ones that don't care to be around you too much. <laughs> Amen. But praise the Lord. Colossians chapter 2. You know, Jesus, the, the, the gospel drives a wedge. It does. It's not that. Christians and we're being mean or stuff like that because of what we believe. The very thing that you stand for and believe, to those who don't want it or those who don't receive it, it drives a wedge. It's not you doing it. It's the person doing it, people doing it to themselves by rejecting the gospel because that, that's exactly what happens. And that's what the Bible says. That's the condition that the world is in. They're at enmity with God. So if Jesus lives in you and the truth is shining through you and and you stand for something, naturally there's going to be some friction. Some people are not going going to feel so comfortable around you. They're not supposed to. And nevertheless, you love your families. You do everything to get along with people. But just your presence in some places is enough to just agitate some people (laughs) because of what you believe. But don't you back up on what you believe because of people's feelings. You stand on the truth of the Word of God, trust the Lord, and believe for Him to do whatever needs to be done. Amen. You can't. You come too far now to turn back. The Bible said when a man puts his hand to the plow and starts to plow, any man that puts his hand to the plow and starts looking back is not fit for the kingdom of God. That's a warning. You can't look back. Straight ahead. You're in. Go all the way. Trust Jesus Christ. Christianity is being assaulted. The devil's assaulting God's people. He's assaulting the church, assaulting even the world to a degree. And he's launched out all-out attacks through the government, through everything you can think of, through religion. And and we're, we're, we're in a sense, we are under attack. Christianity is under attack, but you can't back up because they don't like what you believe. Amen? Praise the Lord. I ain't backing up because somebody don't like what I believe and what I preach. Don't like it, you don't have to believe it, get over it. It's just the way it is. I believe it because it works and it's real. If you open your heart, you can find out the same thing. Amen? It's real. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 says, and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh has he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all 
trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let no man therefore judge you in meat, in drink, in respect of a holy day, or of a new moon, or the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of the things to come, but the body is of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we ask you to have your way tonight. Open your word. Make it real to us. Lord, I ask for your anointing to be real tonight, to come upon me, Lord, to touch me physically, touch me spiritually, that you would anoint me to open your word, Lord, that your people would have understanding. God, that we would walk out of this place tonight enlightened by the power of your spirit, that we would have a greater understanding of your word. Lord, you are the only one that can make this word come alive and make it real to us. So I pray tonight, God, that you would do just that, that you move through the camera tonight, through the internet, that you would touch those, Lord, that are watching, that you would enlighten them, that you would strengthen them, that you would touch people, that you would save people that you would heal people, Lord, and that you would have your way in our heart and in our lives. Lord, we thank you, God, for what you're doing. We thank you for what you're going to do. We thank you that there's no weapon formed against us that shall ever prosper, Lord. And we put everything into your hands tonight. We trust you. Lord, we, we put everything into your hands to give you control and we ask you to have your way in our lives, in our heart, in our families, on our jobs, every area of our life. Have your way tonight, Lord, and touch us in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Again, Paul is coming against somewhat here the false religion of his day and time. Of course, when he wrote the things that he wrote, he was... Actually, not in a church setting. He was in a jailhouse setting, <laughs> writing his letter, of being being a prisoner to a system that was trying to shut out the very gospel that he preached. I was thinking about this yesterday. Paul, what did he do to cause himself so much trouble? What did he do to be opposed? What did he do to be sent from one location to another, put on a ship, transported from city to city to take him to Rome, to imprison him, to try him, and try to convict him of something that he didn't do. He he didn't harm anybody. He didn't try to kill nobody. He didn't... All he did was preach the gospel. All he did was testify of the one that has saved his soul and changed his life. That's all he did. And they went through all the trouble to oppose him, to try to convict him, to try to... Think about it, one man. The devil is scared to death of one man who has the power of God. He's scared, that shows you, he is scared to death. One man, Paul, Peter, these apostles... As they were scattered out in these areas, Satan was scared of them because they had something that was affecting his kingdom. And so he was, he was imprisoned at this time in Rome. And 
when he wrote this, he wrote this in response to problems that were going on in the church here that he was called by God to correct. And I want to tell you something. Every God-called pastor has a responsibility at times to correct. There are times that things are said, things that are preached, things that are not right. We have a responsibility to correct it. If it's wrong, we have a responsibility to say, no, that's not right, that's not biblical. You need to think about what you're listening to. We have a right, and then it's up to the person whether or not they want to judge it and find out. But we've let the devil try to make us Christians think we just need to zip our lip and shut up, and we don't need to say anything about anything. That's a lie. That's what the devil's been really good at, shutting the church up, shutting Christians up. You don't have a right to say anything. Well, who do you think you are? I'm a child of God. I got a right according to the word to say what God says. If it's right, it's right. If it's wrong, it's wrong. We all have that right. It doesn't mean you're a troublemaker. You're trying, you just want people to know the truth. And God knows we need truth in our day and time because there's so many lies out there. We need truth. There's so much false doctrine out there. We need the truth is what will permeate the darkness. The truth is what will shine the light on the false doctrine. And I want to tell you, that's what this church is a church of exposing stuff at times. I ain't afraid. We're not afraid to tell people, look, this is right, this is wrong. You tell your children, don't you? Or you just tell your children everything is all right. No, you don't. There's a balance. No, you don't do that. Yes, you can do that. That's how God is with us. And that's how God uses pastors and leaders to tell people, no, that's wrong and this is right. There's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Those men of old... God God told them, Ezekiel, I think about Ezekiel, when God called him and told him, look, I'm going to make you a watchman. I'm going to put you on a wall. You're going to prophesy. You're going to preach my word. And he said, I'm telling you ahead of time, they're not going to like you. You're going to get some ugly looks from people. You're going to get mean looks. You're going to get, people are going to hate you. They're going to oppose you. But he said, I'm going to make your head as adamant as a flint. As, as much as they oppose you, I'll make you just as strong as the opposition. And I want you to hear the word from my mouth and you tell them what I'm saying. God hasn't changed. We need preachers who will hear the word from God's mouth. Here it is, and preach it. Because people are dying. People are going astray. People are falling for every kind of thing you can think of. And, and they're, they're, they're being blinded by things. And so the truth is what will shine the light on the error. The more you know the truth, the more you'll see the error. That's why it's important that you come to church. That's why it's important that you watch online. If you can, it's why it's important that you listen to that which is that that you know is right. How do you know it's right? Your spirit is going to bear witness with the Holy Spirit that lives in you will show you. He'll he'll convince you, look, this is truth. Listen to this. This is what you need. And what ain't right, you'll get checks in your spirit and 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 you may not understand it all, but you'll know and you and you gotta judge it according to the word. That's what we do here. We preach the word. We tell you what the word says. 
And because we do, we're not liked by a lot of people. But I don't care if they like me or not. I'm here to please God. I'm not here to make friends. In the end, when I stand before God, I ain't standing with you. Me and you won't be standing together. It'd just be me and him, just like it will you. And we're all going to give an account for what we did with the gospel, what we did with Jesus Christ. We're not out trying to offend make people mad. You don't have to. Just stand for the truth, and people are going to get upset. Just look at our society. Look at, look at this movements taking place in America, this liberal garbage. Look at all this stuff that's rising up. And you say anything that's, you know, that's uh, an absolute, well, you're, you're crazy. But absolutes are absolutes. They don't change. God's word is absolute, and it does not change. It doesn't change for the times. It doesn't change for the culture. It's the same for everybody of all times. So when he wrote this, he was writing this to counteract the false doctrine because it was the false doctrine that had slipped into the church that was pulling these people away from the power of God, taking these people away from where their sins were forgiven, taking them away from the joy and the peace and the victory that they had in Jesus Christ. And then the false doctrine comes in and people start saying, well, it, you, 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 you need, it's okay that you believe in Jesus, but you got to keep the law. You got to circumcise the children. You got to, you can't eat pork. You can't, uh, you can't do this and you can't do that. And see, all that is is legalism. It's called law keeping. It's, it's people heaping rules upon you that look, they don't even keep themselves. The Pharisees did that. Jesus exposed them. So you don't even keep the things you're telling them to do. You heap these laws upon them and you yourself won't lift one burden off of their shoulders. You don't care about their souls. You don't care that they're oppressed. You don't care that they're beat down by the devil. All you care about is trying to make them like you. I ain't here to make you like me. I'm here to get you to be like Jesus. I'm not here to draw you to me. I'm here to draw you to Jesus. And that's what that's what true Christianity does. We, give, we tell people the truth, but it's up to them whether or not they want to take it. We ain't here to force you to take anything. He said this in verse 13, you and you being dead in your sins. He's reminding them of their past. You know, we need to be reminded of our past from time to time. No, we don't need to go you know, and delve all into it and get to thinking about everything we've ever done we've ever done, but we need to be reminded of where we come from. You need to know where you got I I get reminders time time of where I come from and thank God it helps to keep me in check. Especially when my flesh wants to rise up. Come on. In situations. You and, and you know you gotta remember where you come from. You were, look, we were, Paul said, you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh has he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. He's reminding them that they were dead in their sins. Dead is dead. You don't get worse than dead. Dead means that, 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 that we were bound, we were dead in all of our sins 
and trespasses, we were bound by the powers of darkness. We were dead men walking, bound by the power of Satan. One of the scriptures I brought out Sunday that kept coming back to me were Paul, I think it was in the book of Acts, said that, that, uh, that the Lord had called him to preach the gospel and to turn the Gentiles, to bring them from darkness into the light, to turn them from the powers of Satan to the power of God. That's us, the power of Satan. When you're without Jesus Christ, you're under the power of Satan. No, doesn't mean everybody's demon-possessed, but they're certainly demon-oppressed. Guided under the control of sin. And a man can't stop sinning by going through a program. He can't stop sinning by joining a church. He can't stop sinning by joining some accountability club. He can't stop sinning. It's a power that is inward that has to be broken by a greater power. And that power is the power of God. And that power takes place through what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And, and, and for people that don't understand why we always talk about the cross, you don't understand sin. You don't understand sin's power. When you, when you speak negatively of the cross, why you talk about that? Why are you talking about salvation or, and, and that stuff you know, relative to people being changed? Because this is the heart of the gospel. It's what the world needs. The world needs to be saved. And half people sitting in so-called churches need to be delivered from sin. You being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, look, has he quickened together? Who? Jesus. He says, hey, don't you remember? This is what you were, but look, this is what you are now, and you're, this is what you are not because of keeping tra- rules, traditions, and not eating pork, and feast days, and fast days, but because of what Jesus Christ did On the cross, it's all about him because he has quickened you together with him. That means he has made you alive. I'm glad tonight I'm alive. I'm not a spiritual dead man walking around anymore, not spiritually dead, living in sin, bound by the devil, bound by alcohol, bound by misery, no peace. Thank God tonight, even as bad as it gets at times, living for the Lord, you have problems, but at least, praise God, you're not bound by the devil. You're alive tonight. There's a something in here that's made you alive. And it, look, you've been made alive. Your spirit, man, has been changed. You've been quickened by the power of God. He's made us alive. He has quickened us together with him. You know what that refers to? Takes us right back to the cross because this is where this all happened. Look, with him, with him. Not the fact that Jesus just came and lived on this earth and lived a perfect life. That didn't save us. Jesus' birth didn't save us. Jesus' death... (laughs) Saved us. 
I said his birth didn't save us. His death on the cross saved look, and delivered us from the powers of darkness. And anybody that ridicules and laughs at this, you're only, you're only cutting your own feet off. You're only doing yourself harm because this is the heart of the gospel. This is the very reason we're alive tonight. How can anybody talk negative of the cross? How can you be so stupid to ridicule the very thing that has delivered you from the powers of darkness? But that's what religion does. Blinds people's eyes. Blinds their minds. Here's the next part. Having forgiven you all trespasses. Do you know how much you've been forgiven tonight? Everything. Well, that ain't what so... Forget about what they say. What does the Word say? You can't base it off of what people say because people will try to hold stuff over your head. They'll try to hold something over your head you did last year, last month, last week, 20 years ago. People will always, some people will be there to try to bring something up to try to put condemnation on you. But if you're repentant and you've asked the Lord to forgive you and you ain't no hypocrite and you're living your life as close as you can to the Lord, the Bible said every one of your sins have been forgiven, all of them trespasses, done. All of them. Having forgiven you all trespasses, not some, all, from the least to the greatest, from the nastiest to the ugliest, the meanest, forgiven. As long as you keep your heart right with the Lord and you ask for forgiveness. But more than that, you got to understand that all of the stuff that was stacked up against you before salvation, it was piled up. (laughs) Some of us had bigger piles than others, but we all had a pile of stuff being stacked up against us reserved for judgment until we gave our lives to Jesus. And when we did, because of what Jesus did on the cross, washed it all away, wiped every bit of it out, and says, you're forgiven. As though you never sinned, even though we know we did, He said, it ain't how I see it, it's how he sees it. As though you never had sinned in your life because he took the punishment for our sin upon him. He paid the price on the cross to wash away every sin, to break the power of the devil, to forgive us of every single sin. Listen, past, present, and future, it's all covered. My past is covered, my present is covered, and whatever I do in the future, I don't want to, I ain't planning on it, but I'm sure I'll stumble somewhere, I'll do something I shouldn't do, I might say something I shouldn't say, but as long as I understand that the blood, the blood is enough, and I take it to the Lord, and I put it where it's supposed to be, it's covered, it's done, it's over with, he don't remember it, he don't see it, and I ain't going to let anybody else talk about it. Are y'all here tonight? No, I'm not. There's no excuse for us to just do whatever we want to do and say, well, you can't bring up nothing I've ever done. No, I'm not. That ain't what I'm saying. But if your heart is right and you repent, you ask the Lord to forgive you, God will forgive you. People won't. 
That's what you got to understand about people. Most people, they are not forgiving. Christians are supposed to be forgiving. Forgiving toward one another. Doesn't mean we tolerate wrongdoing. Doesn't mean we put up with stuff that, that's wrong, no. But we are to be forgiving. We're to keep our heart clean toward other people. That can be a test, can't it? Got anybody in your family that you have to keep your heart clean with? <laughs> Anybody on the job, anybody out there, anybody, you, gotta hit, you know, you got to keep your heart clean. You love them, but you don't want to live with them. You love them, but you ain't looking to hang out with them, you know, for days. You love them, but you keep your distance. You, you know, you can love people from a distance. You can, but you got to keep your heart clean. You can't let hatred, bitterness, envy, you can't let your heart get crowded out or filled up with stuff that can eat away at the inward man. We're always talking about sins outwardly, the sins of the flesh, smoking, drinking, cussing, smoking dope. But what about the inward? We got to keep this clean inside too, just as much as the outside. And the only way it can be kept clean is through understanding what Jesus did on the cross. And it keeps us clean. Don't mean you won't be tempted to hold unforgiveness towards somebody. Don't mean you won't be tested. You will. But you've got a way to make it through it. You give it to Jesus. You surrender it. You just tell him, Lord, I, you know how I feel about this situation. You know how I feel about this person. And, Lord, I ask you to help me with this. I don't want nothing in my heart. I want everything kept clean. And I want to make sure that everything stays good with me and you. That's it. He's forgiven us all trespasses. Verse 14 says this, blotting out the handwritings of ordinances that was against us, that was contrary to us, and he took it out of his way, nailing it to the cross. I want you to pull up Galatians three nineteen through 28 back there. Galatians three nineteen through 28. Blotting out the handwritings of ordinances that was against us, he... It was contrary to us, took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Now, what is this speaking of? The law. Because you see, you had these, you had these religious folk insisting that these believers keep law. You have to keep the Mosaic law. If you want to be made right with God, you've got to keep the Ten Commandments. You've got you to gotta keep these feast days. You've got to keep these fast days. You can't eat certain foods and see these, these, these laws and stuff that people try to heap upon God's children. And he, say, he says that Jesus blotted out the handwritings of ordinances. That, that speaks of the law, and it means to take it away, uh, take it, to take it away or to smear it out. When Jesus died on the cross... He was, when he died on the cross, rose again from the dead, the new covenant was now put into effect. Even though people didn't understand it all, the new covenant was now put into effect. means the old is gone, and there's a new way to have a relationship with God through the blood of God's Son, Jesus Christ. This is what people had a problem with. Because they've been trying to keep these laws all these years and they couldn't even do it. 
and these religious Pharisees, and they, they insist that people follow the law down to the T. They twisted laws, they perverted laws, made their own laws, added to God's laws, and come up with stupid stuff until people are just, they're, they're, they're messed up with trying to keep stupid stuff. And so he says, look, Jesus blotted out the, the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. He said it was contrary to us. The law was never given to save or to change you. It was given to show us our sin, to show us that we need greater help. So what he's saying is, I'm getting to this verses in a minute. I know y'all keep looking and I'll get there. He's saying that, he took, he blotted out these handwriting of ordinances that was against us, contrary to us. He took it out of the way. It's been removed. The law, no, no that, that don't mean we don't read the Old Testament. That don't mean we don't try to keep the precepts of the Old Testament, we do. That don't mean that we don't believe in keeping the Ten Commandments. I do, but I'm not bound by Ten Commandments you ain't ba- God ain't bound you by 10. You got a whole lot more than 10. And in order for you to be able to keep all of the word, you can't be done by keeping a few. You got to keep your faith in Jesus Christ because he fulfilled the law. And now the righteousness of the law is fulfilled in us. Now we're able to live the way God wants us to live, not because we're keeping laws, but because we're keeping our faith in who Jesus is and what he did. Church needs to hear this. Christians need to hear this. I don't know where everybody's at tonight, but you need to hear this. You got problems, you need to hear this. Dealing with the flesh, you need to hear this. Being pulled away from the truth, you need to hear this. Because that's the devil's job, to pull you away from the truth. This is what he was trying to do with this church. Pull these people away from Jesus Christ. Get their eyes on their self. Get their eyes on me and what I do and law keeping. And then what Paul knows that the result of that is failure. He knows that the result of that, they're going into bondage. He knows that if you do that, you, my friend, are setting yourself up for a fall. Now, in Galatians three nineteen through 28, let's talk about the law for a minute. Wherefore then serves the law? It was added because of transgression. So God gave law to show man what sin is. Define it. Explain it. Show it to him, but it couldn't change him. Till the seed should come to whom the promise was made, that's Jesus, the seed. And it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. God ordained this plan. It was ordained by angels. Remember, angel, the angel spoke to Mary that she's going to bear a son. She's, the seed is going to come, up, come be implanted into her, in her, and it was a seed of the Holy Spirit, not through a natural means, but by a supernatural means. That's the seed that we're talking about. It's Jesus. Till the promise should come. Look at verse, the next verse uh, 20 says this. 
Now, a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. Go to verse 21. Let me go a little bit forward. Is the law then against the promises of God? Are you saying that the law is wrong? No. Are you saying we don't keep any of God's laws? No. Is the law against the promises of God? God forbid. If there had been a law given which could have given life, then verily righteousness would have been by the law. But it's not by the law. A new covenant has been given. Next verse. Verse. But the scripture has concluded all under sin. There we go. All under sin. That the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. There you go. Here's your new way. Jesus Christ, the promised seed, the coming redeemer, the son of God who sacrificed himself on the cross to free us and to keep us free from sin. What's the importance of the message of the cross? Here it is twofold. Not just to set you free, but to keep you free. You want to stay free? You want to come closer to God? You want God to change you? Want God to work in your family? Want God to work in your church? Want God to work on your job? Want God to do things? Then you've got to stay where you've been placed in Jesus Christ. It's not your faith in who you are. It's your faith in who he is. It's what he's done. And we have to say this over and over and over because what happens is people drift. People that don't know this start putting their faith in what they do, who I am, how much I know. And it doesn't get anybody anywhere with the Lord. Next verse on that screen. But before faith came... We were kept under the law, shut up until the faith which should afterwards be revealed. He's explaining the difference between the old and the new. The purpose of the old to bring us to the new. Next verse, 24. The Bible says this. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster. The word schoolmaster speaks of like a tutor a teacher, someone there to kind of help carry you along, to help teach you, to help guide you. The law, that's what the law was there to do, guide us. Where? To bring us unto who? Huh? There it is. So what's the law? When you read the Old Testament, you know where it's supposed to be pointing you if you understand it? through the types, the shadows, the sacrifices, and everything that took place, you know where it's supposed to be guiding us? To the one it was speaking of? To Christ. That we might be what? Justified by faith. Just as if you had never sinned by faith. Not by law, by faith. Next verse. 25, but after that faith has come, we're no longer under a schoolmaster. There you go. Law 
fulfilled. Law smeared out. I'm not bound by law. I am bound to keep my faith in the one who fulfilled the law. Look, the one who took the law and nailed it to the cross so that I, you and I, can be raised up to walk in newness of life with him through what he did and not what we do. We're no longer under a schoolmaster. Again, that doesn't mean you don't read the Old Testament. You do, but you got to understand what it's pointing to. It's pointing, it's going somewhere. It's taking you to Jesus. It's taking you to the new way. And this is what people have a problem with when you start talking about a new way and telling people you got to let go of your old. Hmm. But didn't the Bible say, Jesus said, Paul said, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Didn't it say that you can't, a man can't take, put new wine into old wineskins lest the bottles burst and he lose everything he has. You can't take the new covenant, mix it in with the old, put your faith in both of them. Well, I believe that I got to do this and I got to do this and I got to do this and, and I believe in Jesus. You can't have it both ways. It's one or the other. It's, it's either a total life of faith in the blood or it's not. And this is the place God is trying to bring us to. You want to see your family prosper? Want to see your marriage prosper? Want to see your church prosper, pastor? Want to see God move? Put your faith alone in what Jesus did and watch God work in you. Watch God do things that you couldn't do on your own. Let me tell you, the Holy Spirit can get in a marriage and work in people's hearts and bring such a change in them that the world could never imagine trying to perform. He can do it. My wife and I are living examples of it. There's no way we would be here today if we did not understand this, if we didn't surrender to this. We understand that we didn't save ourselves and we can't change ourselves. And there's times we have to surrender ourselves and say, Lord, we need you to help us. It ain't her that's my problem. It's me that's my problem. Lord, you got to work in us. You got to change us. You got to forgive us. We have to do that from time to time, all of us. But there's no way we would be where we're at today. There's no way it's not possible except it be done by the hand of the Lord. There's no way. We'd never made it. And I tell you something else, we would have never made it had we not come to the knowledge of the message of the cross for sanctification. We'd have never made it. Because that is what revolutionized our lives after searching and crying out for the truth. And God said, okay, I'm going to give you the truth now. And praise the Lord, it started turning everything around. The truth, church, will change your life. But you got to accept it. you got to let it work in here. <laughs> Dr. Phil can't help you. He can't even help himself. I know he looks good. He 
sounds good and he's trying to do good things for people. And I'm not knocking anybody trying to do good things for people, but he can't get to the inward man. He can't change behavior. The Holy Ghost can do it. Like he said, you can put lipstick on the pig, but it's still a pig. You can dress it up outside and look good and pretty it up, put a dress on it, put lipstick on it, but inside it's still an old nasty pig. Still going to go out and wallow in the mud. Still going to go out and get drunk. Still going to go out and do stuff you shouldn't be doing because it's a pig. At heart, it's a pig. That's, what, that's, that's what's inbred into it. That's his life. That's his way of living, wallowing in mud, slops, and dinky, nasty stuff. And that's a man without God too. And we try to dress things up and we got all the programs and we make them look good and they sound real good, got nice names on them, but they're doing no more for anybody than a man on the moon because they're not getting to the real problem. The real problem is sin. Jealousy, anger, wrath, envy, Malice, wickedness, flesh, envy. Uh, that's man's problem. That's why your prisons are full. Alcoholism, drug addiction. Because there's an inward problem that can only be fixed by the power of God. And it can be fixed. If you're watching tonight and you got this problem I'm talking about, I'm telling you there is somebody that can fix you. It's Jesus. He can change your whole world but you got to comply with him god don't just show up and do everything he's going to do in you because you say you you trust him or you're going to give your life to jesus there's got to be compliance there's got to be surrender there's got to be a giving up of yourself emptying of self and letting jesus have his full will in your life a lot of people don't want to go there church they don't want to go there because it requires a death to self, a death to flesh, a death to my way. And people don't want to give up their way. If you're going to go God's way, you've got to give up your way. The law was a schoolmaster, verse 25, 26, put up 26 now. For you are all, I love this verse, because it absolutely plainly states how we are in a relationship with God. You are all, look, Jews and Gentiles, black, white, red, no matter who you are, you are all, if you have given your life to Jesus Christ, you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. If I didn't have another verse in the Bible, that's all I need. You are all the children of God. Paul plainly states it, you're not a child of God because of what you do, because of your law-keeping, because of your circumcision, because of your the new moons, the feast days, and fast days, and you don't eat pork. You are a child of God. You're not a child of God because you've been baptized in a certain formula or because you keep church rules. You are a child of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Twenty. 7 and 28 is going to be the last two verses. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ spiritually. There's a spiritual baptism. 
when we gave our lives to Jesus Christ, according to Romans chapter 6, we were, chapter 6, 3 and 4, we were baptized into Jesus Christ and baptized into his death. He said, therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Romans 6, 3 and 4. Spiritual baptism, not water, spiritual. As many of you as have been baptized into Christ, guess what? Guess who you got on tonight? I'm I'm looking at Jesus tonight. Now, I know you know you ain't Jesus, and I ain't, but I'm looking at Jesus tonight. If your faith is in what we're talking about, I see Jesus tonight, Mr. Jones. Candace, I see Jesus tonight. It ain't about, it doesn't matter what we think, what we say, it's what God says. Your faith is in Jesus Christ. You've been baptized into Christ. You have put on Christ. You have put on a new man, a new woman. You're not what you used to be. Have put on Christ, last verse, 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. See, everybody is on the same ground. God doesn't play favorites. We all come the same way. Doesn't matter if you're a Jew in Jerusalem or if you're a little country boy in the backwoods of Tennessee or whether you live in the jungle somewhere. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, we are all one in him. God doesn't play prejudice. He has one way for all of us. So back in Colossians chapter 2, verse 14, he said, He blotted out the handwritings of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us. He took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. So he's taking us back to the cross. This is where all this was put into effect, the cross. And you cannot read... You can't read, especially when you get to the New Testament, when you get past Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Gospels, when you get into Paul's epistles, especially, you can't read them without coming to the conclusion and the understanding that it's all about Jesus. It's all about what he did. I mean, he lays it out as straight as it can be, and there's no way you can read the New Testament without seeing Jesus Christ, that this is what this all points to. He's the fullness of everything. He's the head of the church. He's the preeminent one. He is the head of principalities and powers. In him, we have everything. In him, we are complete. In him, we are full to overflowing through what he did on the cross. And verse 15 says, the last verse I'm going to read for tonight, having spoiled principalities and powers. Basically what I just said, spoiled principalities and powers. He robbed Satan of his power. He broke Satan's power in our lives. 
and he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. And this is what this means. Jesus didn't defeat Satan in hell, as some people say. Jesus Christ defeated the devil's power on the cross. He broke sin's power by sacrificing himself, shedding his blood, giving his life to save and to deliver us from the powers of darkness. He did it, and he did it openly. So we don't need to hide it. We need to let make sure we let the devil and everybody else know that we're not ashamed of what Jesus has done for us because he is the victorious one. Satan don't rule the Lord. The Lord rules him. He broke his power, and he did it through the cross. 1 John 3 Eight, it is, I think it is, seven or eight, says that he that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning, but for this purpose was the Son of God manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. You know what that is? Sin. That's sin's power. He broke it. So tonight, you can have freedom from every sin through the blood of Jesus Christ. You can have freedom from every power of darkness. Satan tries to lie to people and tells you you're going to be stuck with that the rest of your life. He's a liar. Every sin has been forgiven. Every power has been broken. Now what you got to do is you got to take it you got to receive it, and you got to walk in it, and you got to apply it, and then you get out of the way and watch the Holy Ghost start doing the work. Give up and let Jesus take over, the song says. <laughs> you got to put that baby up. He's back there smiling and distracting me. Cute little thing. Stand to your feet tonight. So listen, if you're struggling tonight, if you got issues and you problems, take them where they've already been handled. It doesn't matter what it is. It really doesn't matter what it is. You take it to where it's already been taken care of. You surrender it to Jesus. Let God have his way, and he'll bring you through it. He'll bring you through it. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Lord, I ask you in the name of Jesus that you continue to open your word to us, that you continue to make it real to us, that you would cause it to come alive in our inward being. Lord, I pray for people tonight that are new to this, that have not heard this, that you would turn the lights on, that you would show to them, Lord, this is the heart of the gospel. And based on this, we can learn everything else we need to learn in your word. Because this is the foundation of which everything comes to us. So, Lord, I ask you tonight that you continue to touch the people of this church, people through the Internet, Lord, those that are sick, those that are hurting, those that are lost, 
I pray, God, that you move all over this world, that you would use us, Lord, to be a light in this darkness, God, that you would open understanding to us, that you would go with us, you would protect us, guide us, and keep us together until we come back again safely. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. It's prayer making this. We hope you were blessed by the live service from Family Worship Center in Athens, Tennessee. Our weekly services are Sunday at 10.30 a.m., Sunday at 5.30 p.m., and Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. Watch us live online at www.fwc-tn.com. You can also check us out on Facebook or YouTube. Family Worship Center is located at 250 County Road 378 in Athens, Tennessee. Send all correspondence to Family Worship Center, P.O. Box 118, Athens, Tennessee, 37303. For more information, you can call the church at 423-744-0774.